0: Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. When I think about mothers, I think about the first time Laura was a mother. Bennett was not an easy birthing by any stretch of the imagination Uh, it was long and it was arduous and it was tough and and there were some issues that she had and through all the pain and through all the trial and through all the nine months of of aching backs and uh stomach uh upsetness in in the mornings of weird like really weird cravings like (laughs) one week laura made out the menu because uh she, she has always done this. She's phenomenal at coming up with a menu and then going and buying, the, buying all the stuff for, for our food. She's phenomenal at that. It's, it's, it really is a gift. If, we had to, if I had to do it, we'd be, like, eating just not good stuff all the time or easy stuff or whatever. But Laura was always excellent at building a menu. And one week when she was pregnant, I looked at the menu for the week, and I'm like, hmm, it was... <laughs> I'm like, are you you craving right now? Are you having cravings? Because I looked over the menu and she said, no, not that I'm aware of. I said, okay, but everything is red pasta sauce based pasta, like everything. So it was lasagna. It was spaghetti. It was chicken spaghetti with red sauce or whatever. I mean, it was like literally everything was Italian, red sauce based, uh, noodle based meals. It was just kind of funny. And she said, oh, well, I guess I am. So she she had a rough time and that pregnancy was tough all the way through. But even in the middle, middle of that, she made sure that we ate well, right? She was constantly about the work of providing the food for us or at least making sure we had it and that it was cooked. And then after all the hard work, after all the hard nine months, after all the Italian dishes we had, Bennett was born. And when she held Bennett in her hands for the first time, I lost it, man, and, and, and I lost it when I held him, but I re-lost it when she held him for the first time. It was such a beautiful moment to see Laura take on the role of mom. And what's interesting as I think about that moment of, mom, of, of Laura becoming a mom and, and her motherhood just growing right there in front of my, my eyes was how helpless Bennett was. And then again, when Morgan was born, same thing, a hard nine months, we get through to the end and she holds Morgan in her arms for the first time. And and the beauty of that was breathtaking. But the same thought occurs. That baby is completely and utterly helpless. And there are things that I can do as a father like the tar by, uh, diapers, like the first 36 hours or whatever it is where their diapers are full of tar. And if you haven't had that pleasure yet, just let me tell you, get ready. And you might even want to have some of those big old latex rubber you know, glo- cleaning gloves when you go to change those diapers. It is horrendous. And if you have a boy and they do the whole thing that they have to do in the nether regions... <laughs> And, before they leave the hospital, and they have a tar diaper. It is horrible. Like, it is the worst thing ever. But that baby is absolutely helpless. They have tar all over themselves. And they have this operation thing going on down there. And it is a disaster. And they are just, it's, it's I mean, I cried for Bennett, I did, not out of laughter like some of you are doing right now, but I literally cried for Bennett as I tried to change that diaper and clean up down there. He was completely helpless and completely in pain. And I could do some of that, but there was one thing I could never do for Bennett or Morgan when they were first born. I mean, I guess theoretically I could with a bottle, but I couldn't do what Laura was doing with the kids Now, if you can't figure that out, I'm not going to get into details on that. You can work that out later. But that one thing I can never do, I can never do as a father that Laura could do naturally. And again, the first time when our children had that moment with Laura, it it was absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. Again, I cried. It's an amazing thing. But this child who can't change its diaper, who can't circumcise himself, and then cone, and then cone his nether regions with uh, whatever it is they give you. What is that stuff? What did they give you? What is it? Vaseline. Yeah, it was Vaseline in a tube. I'm telling you, if you become the, uh, a parent of a, of a boy, just get ready. It's horrible. They can't do any of that stuff for themselves, and they certainly can't feed themselves. They are completely and utterly helpless. And so when we celebrate moms, we are celebrating something special. We're celebrating that person who gives birth, that person who carries for nine months, that person who takes care of and changes diapers and cleans circumcisions and feeds their child. And without the mom, the dad can only go so far in providing that. Mothers are special. And the passage we're going to look at today from the Our Father is a passage that reminds me of motherhood. This idea of being helpless and and unable to provide for ourselves the basic needs and protections of life and how God steps in and does that for us. Just like a mother does an infant, God steps in for us. He is both our father and our mother at the same time, and it is a thing of beauty. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Matthew 6 again as we've gone through learning what Jesus teaches us about prayer, right? So we're going to go through this process of of looking at, we looked at Jesus' teaching around the idea of prayer before uh, the actual Lord's Prayer. Now we've looked at one week of the Lord's Prayer and we talked about how the first part of the prayer is really all about not us getting God to do something, but us submitting ourselves in our lives to God and His will and what He wants for us, right? It is saying, God, here I am, take me, use me. It's really about changing us. The first part of the Our Father, the first part of the prayer is really about us submitting ourselves to God and God molding us into the people He wants us to be. It's a prayer of surrender. Now we go through three petitions where we turn the corner and it's really a prayer for God to provide for us so the first part of the prayer was for God to uh, kind of take control of us that we just give ourselves completely to him and to mold us but this part of the prayer is is more about God providing those basic needs of our life and so we're going to look at one verse today in the Lord's Prayer and it's verse 11 Matthew six eleven. so I'm going to read the first part of that prayer and then stop at verse 11. You might know the prayer, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that is the first part of the prayer that we talked about last week. Then comes this verse, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Now I'm going to look at that that passage for just a second. And, uh, and, and break it down because there's some interesting parts to, uh, to what this verse has to say. So the first thing that I want to talk about is the structure of the sentence in the original language. In the original language, the actual first word is bread. Now that's a little unusual for construction uh, in, in Greek, but not totally unusual for construction in Greek. So when, Greeks, when, when the Greek language constructs a sentence particularly Koine Greek, they start with what they consider one of the most important words or the most important word. And so they start with this idea of bread. That's the first word in Greek. So why is that? Why would they start with the word bread? Well, if you were in here, I'd say this is not, you know, this is a question you can answer, uh, but, but you're not here, and I can't hear what your response is, uh, whether you realize it or not. I can't hear you. So you could even be making noises right now and laughing at me and making fun of my beard and my lack of hair, and I would never know. So I'm not going to ask a question for you to answer, but I want you to think about it. Why would bread be the first word? Why would it be the first word? Well, I think it's interesting. I, I, there's a number of reasons why I think this could be the case, but I think and I think they probably all have some merit, and, and I think it's probably exactly why Jesus did that. In the last part of the last verse, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's this transition from this idea of earth. So we've prayed for God and his power to come and be revealed and work on the earth. Well, the most earthy thing is bread, right? So we've transitioned from earth And now we're transitioning for our needs on earth. And that need on earth, the primary need on earth, there's really two primary needs. It's water and bread. It's water and food. You cannot survive without those two things. Right? You can make a shelter eventually. You can cover yourself with clothes eventually, even if it's with fig leaves. Right, Adam? So you can do that. But, but, we can't provide life without water and without the ability to make bread or to have food and so this most basic need that we have is bread so that brings us to I think a second reason why bread becomes important because it really is the base need it is the it is the it is the most basic need that we have food and water and so his prayer is that God is in charge of and that God is in is over even the most basic needs. So guys, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but it's real easy in our culture not to need God to provide bread. When's the last time? I mean, really. When's the last time you were like, God, if you don't show up with bread right now, I'm not eating. Okay, again, you... I can't hear you, so you can answer this and I won't hear you, but I will tell you the last time I had to rely on God for bread... Never, literally never, never have I been in a stage in my life where I've said, God, if you don't show up with food today, I don't eat. Never, never have I been in a case in the situation where I had to say, um, sorry, God, but, uh, like I'm on death's door. And if you don't show up with water, I am going to die of dehydration. Right now, I'm dead. If you don't show up and provide water, I'm dead. Never, never been in that situation. I would venture to guess that none of you who hear this today are in that boat. So when we pray for daily bread, we are praying for sustenance, for the very basis of life, for the things that we need. So we often in our culture don't even think about our need for bread because it's so readily available, because it is here, it is now. If you need bread... You go to the store and buy it. But if you can't afford to buy the bread at at the store, then you go to a food bank and they will provide bread. Or you go to a homeless shelter and they will provide a meal. Or you go to the Salvation Army. Or you go to wherever. There are a thousand ways. There are people that will sit on the street and they will ask for coins. And when they get enough coins, they'll go to McDonald's and buy a dollar menu item. In our culture, it's hard for us to grasp this idea of needing God to provide daily bread. But that's what this prayer is asking. God, provide the basics. Provide our very needs. And I think in our culture, because we can provide so much for ourselves, or we think we can provide so much for ourselves, we forget to ask God for the little things. But God is the God of the little things. He is intimately involved with water and bread and everyday life. He is intimately involved with the minutest details in our life. There is no smallness that is too small for the big God to be able to handle. Oftentimes we think, oh, this is a big deal. i got to rely on God. But what about the small things? Do we rely on Him for the small things? And what Jesus is teaching His disciples is that God's the God over your basic needs. He's the God that provides everything. So you might think you've got this. Oh, God, I'm good. I've got this. I've got it handled, right? But you don't. You wouldn't have a job without God's provision. We wouldn't be able to bake bread at these big bread factories, whatever that is, and ship it off to, to our local stores if God wasn't the God of provision. And if you're a farmer, so Andy Thornburg, this is you. If you're a farmer, you know, you know, you know, you know just how important it is and how much you rely on God for the harvest. It's easy for us to get distracted from, from uh, with, with the, the big things in life, to get distracted from the fact that God is the God even over the little things. And there's nothing too small for him. So daily bread, or this bread, this idea of bread, is, is a prayer recognizing that God provides everything. So let me ask you this. When's the last time you thank God for toilet paper? Okay, maybe that's not a good one. Maybe that's not a good one. But you know what I'm saying. When's the last time you really stopped and thanked God and asked Him to provide bread? And I don't mean bread. Make it rain! I mean bread like the kind you eat. Right? When's the last time? When's the last time? When is the last time you prayed for God to provide water and oxygen? I mean, because life would be pretty bad if you all of a sudden ran out of oxygen. And in fact... Not to make light of this, but isn't that exactly how people are experiencing COVID that get it really bad? They can't even take in enough air. Their lungs are so compromised, they're not getting oxygen. So we think we've got this handled, right? We think, ah, oh, oh, everything's good until a COVID-19 hits or a COVID hopefully not 20, or hopefully not a COVID 2021 or whatever it is, right? But when it hits, we see just how frail we are. How oxygen isn't as readily available to those who are ill as we think. How toilet paper isn't readily available for those who desperately need it. And some of you desperately needed it, I get it. It takes just one pandemic to show us that meat shortages are a real thing or that logistic chains can be broken. We aren't as big and we aren't as um, protected as we think we are and so we have to rely on something bigger and God is that bigger thing. God is that bigger thing. So when he says, give us this day our daily bread, it's not just a throwaway. He's not just saying it to say it. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, the other thing that's interesting about this passage is this word for daily. Do you have that uh, word? No. Okay, that's all right. That's okay because it's a really weird word. If you looked on um, if you looked on the verse of the week online, you'll see this. But the word for daily is epi epio epiousion or Epi-u-sios. Epiusion or epiusios. And it means daily. Or at least that's how we translate it. But it also means for the morrow or for tomorrow. So it can mean daily, ongoing every day. Or it can mean tomorrow. Or it can mean just the basic bread that we need to survive. Just enough. For today. Just enough for today. Just enough to survive the next 24 hours. It can mean one of those three things or it can mean a combination of three things. And I happen to think, and there's actually a fourth that I'm gonna get to in a second, but I actually think that it's all of those things. I think what they're asking here, what Jesus is teaching his disciples, what he's teaching us to pray for, is God to show up and to give us our needs, to meet our needs for today. And today, what we need is enough. But then also, God, give us for one day what we need tomorrow. And then I also think it means give us in this moment what we need in this moment. I think it means all three of those things. So daily and just enough of what we need, daily in that it's for today, but then I also want it daily for tomorrow, but then also daily is this moment, in this moment. Give us today our daily bread. The fourth thing it can mean has an, what's called an eschatological understanding. It's, it's looking forward to the final banquet that Judaism looked forward to when Jesus, this Messiah in their world, would return and there would be this huge banquet and at every Jewish banquet, what do they do? They bake bread and they serve bread and they celebrate over bread. And so this idea of banqueting with this eschatological bread was this idea that the Messiah returns and he provides bread forever and always. And so it's a prayer in one aspect for not... For not only the the kingdom of God to be here now, but for the future kingdom of God, the completion of kingdom of God. We're already in the kingdom, but the not yet part of the kingdom of God. For it to come down. And I really think that Jesus probably says this in such a way that we don't know what it is. This word is only used three times that we know of. And twice of those are in the Bible. This is not a normal Greek word. In fact, the only place that they found it outside of... The Bible and someone talking about the Bible was this random piece of papyrus that they found. That's not even the complete word, so they're just guessing it might be the word. This is a word that Jesus is unique to Jesus, right? Right. So this is this is like strategy is for George Bush. That's not a word except in George Bush world. Well, this isn't a word in normal Greek except. When Jesus creates it and lays it out there. Daily means all of these things. It means my bread, just what I need for today. It means my bread, my daily bread, what I need to sustain life. It means my daily bread, what I need for tomorrow. It means my daily bread, the bread that we're going to celebrate with you. Bring all of that, God. In essence, God, I need you to provide all that I have and all that I need. But what it doesn't ask for is Nutella. Right? Am I wrong on that? It's what Pete Gregg says in his book. He says, yeah, it's a prayer, but we're not promised the Nutella. Everybody loves Nutella. Now, it's not great for you, obviously. It's not a good thing. It's not going to be great for your body to eat lots of Nutella. So please don't go and eat lots of Nutella. Well, Todd said Nutella's good. It's not what I said. God promises us daily bread Not Nutella. He promises us daily bread. Not fill in the blank. Avocado toast. With fried eggs on top. Do you see what I'm saying? The prayer here is not for excess. It's for just enough. And what we tend to do is we pray for the excess stuff. In our culture, we can handle the small stuff. God, we want you to give us the excess stuff. Come on, God. Here we go. Give me the Nutella. Show me the Nutella! That's really loud in here with nobody in here. And that's a reference to a movie. And if you don't know what a reference to a movie that is, it's show me the money. Go look it up. What's his name? Tom... uh Tom Cruise, yes, thank you very much, Tom Cruise. Show me the money. Show me the Nutella! All right? That's how we treat God, though. Not, Lord, give me the humblest, the basic, the need. God, I want more, so give me the Nutella. Give me the avocado toast with two fried eggs over easy, cooked just perfectly, so that as I cut across the egg, the yolk gently spills over the side and mingles with the avocado just in the right way with my toast. And dude, I'm a big avocado toast fan with fried eggs, as you can probably tell. And it is an art. It is. <laughs> Julianne's feeling that. She, you know exactly what I'm talking about. My point is, is, guys, we ask God for so much stuff when he's teaching us to ask just for what we need, we come to God with arms like this come on, give me. Give me, give me. Instead, we ought to come like the poor beggar just enough. Just enough. Daily. Not more than I need just enough now the last thing i will say is this is obviously pointing back to a part of israel's history and again you can't answer this over the whatever waves are out there that you're on looking at this whether it's your 5g network or your lte network or whether you're watching it through dsl or i don't know how you're watching this but however whatever wave or whatever whatever the does to get to your house is you can't answer this back over that channel but what does this remind you of what does daily bread point to now if you're in here you can say it out loud what's it point to manna it points to the manna in israel when the israelites had left egypt they had been set free as slaves and god was leading them to the promised land and they didn't have food because they were in a desert so when i said uh, you know, we don't have to worry about daily food. These people did like they had no way, they had no means of making bread or sustaining themselves at all. So they were in total need, and they were totally reliant on God. And so every day they cried out to God, God, you got to provide. And He's like, I got this. I'm going to give you manna every day. But here's how it works: Every morning you wake up, there will be this this Crust, this bread, this sweet, they said it tasted like honey, this sweet, honey covered bread. So maybe God does provide Nutella toast. I don't know. But anyway, that's a different thing. So, manna, it's this flaky, crusty bread on the ground. And it was sweet and filling. And every morning it was there around their camp. And they would literally go out and gather it up. And they would have enough bread for the day. But what happened if they gathered more than what they needed? It went bad. It spoiled. They couldn't keep the bread for longer than the 24-hour span that they needed it. So if they went out and they gathered two days' worth of bread, one of those days would be bad. If they gathered three days' worth of bread, two of those days the bread would be bad. And so every morning they got enough just for that day. And Jesus, I think, is tapping into that mentality here. When we pray, we ought to pray like the Israelites stranded in the desert who are hopeless and helpless without the work of God in our lives. And guys, we ought to approach every day like they did, where we wake up and we say, God, give us just what we need for today. Not more, not too much. You can keep the Nutella, just give me the bread. I wish I could say my prayers were like that, but more often my prayers are like, God, hey, hook a brother up, or a son, instead of God, just give me what I need for today. And help me be satisfied with that. So Jesus here is teaching us how to pray for the basic necessities of life, but he's also teaching us how to be satisfied, how to find joy and simplicity, how to take what he gives and make the most out of it without complaining about not having more. We all would like more, but that's not what Jesus encourages us to pray for. We would all like to drive luxury vehicles. We would all like to live in large houses on water somewhere. I mean, who wouldn't want to live at the beach? Well, some people wouldn't, but who wouldn't want to have a nice yacht? Who wouldn't want those things? I get it. But God's saying, be satisfied with what I give you. And if it happens to have a little Nutella spread on it, that's okay. For months, the only way that Bennett and Morgan sustained life was by what Laura produced and gave them. Naturally, for months, their life was sustained by two loving parents that cleaned diapers, that pulled back the fat rolls on those big chubby legs and cleaned in the little nooks and crannies it would get all sweaty and nasty and musty <laughs> and if you're a parent of a little kid you know exactly what I'm talking about for months it, we had to be the ones to lift them up and take them out of the out of their bassinet or their or their crib for months if they were going to be able to to get out into the living space out of their room. We had to go and pick them up and bring them in there. For months, if they wanted physical touch, we had to be the ones to initiate it. For months, Laura sustained their life with what she provided in the form of food that only she could provide. And it was a reminder then that we are very much like infants. That we really As much as we think we can do, as much as we fuss and fight and whine, as much as when that diaper change starts happening, I try to pee on my mom. We're still not in control. As much as babies try to assert themselves as the one that the house revolves around, ultimately, we are helpless like a baby, even if we're screaming and crying trying to get our way but we're in the hands of a good father and mother, a God who loves us that deeply. He provides the basics of life if we will just trust Him to. I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you, but I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it, put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.